Hey, 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 everybody. You're tuned in to the Black Men Working Podcast. This is your host, Sugar Ray. And today we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, a young man who I watched grow from a young boy to actually now a really grown man, a big man, right? Uh, my brother James. Peace, brother. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Sugar Ray? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Um, first, let me say thank you for agreeing, you know, to do this podcast and do this interview, man. Um, I watched you grow, as I've said. And um, I think you're doing great work. You know, I think you created a, a, a beautiful life for yourself. Um, and I know that a lot of it is because of the work that you do. So um, tell us a little bit, you know, um, how old are you, where you located, and what kind of work you do? So I am now 33. I work for the Department of Homeland Security, specifically for the Transportation Security Administration. And I'm currently stationed out of uh, Virginia. So our headquarters is in Arlington, Virginia. I currently live in Woodbridge, which is approximately, I would say, about 30 minutes without traffic. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, how did you get How did you get into that work? Um, I remember, you know, again, years ago when you and my cousin actually, you know, Chris, when I started, um, but I never knew what led you down that road. So, um, you know, talk about that for a little bit. So, at the time, um this was about, well, close to 15 years ago. Um, I was working at Target in College Point, uh, Queens, uh, New York. And my mother, actually, she had mentioned it. I think she saw, like, an ad or a TV advertisement or something <clears throat> talking about TSA. And when she told me about it, I was like, eh. She said, oh, it's a government job. This is <laughs> something that you should probably – uh, look into, you know, you don't want to work at Target for the rest of your life. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'll apply for it. And this security guy who actually worked at Target, um, by chance, he was actually going into TSA. I think his name was Mauricio or something like that. But he was going into the um, TSA and he was telling me about it and, and he was looking forward to it and it's a security job. So I got kind of like excited about it. <clears throat> So I applied for it, and it took a while. So I was thinking, hey, they're really hiring, so it's going to be right away, and it didn't happen that way. So originally, um, I kind of like, okay, well, I guess they'll call me whenever they feel like calling me. But Target, <clears throat> I was working on the overnight shift at the time, and it was really starting to really drain me. So I was working on overnight. Um, actually in the food uh, avenue area where they were basically cooking for the employees for the overnight. So I was the only one there. And I'm a big guy. So once the truck supervisor, he saw me working in there, he was like, why is this guy working in the kitchen? He needs to be out here on the truck with us. But um, that was my job. I was working in the kitchen. And then I really started working um, pretty much doing everything in the store. I was like, started working on the truck, and I was busting up the house. Like, like, it was nothing. So I started doing that, but like very interesting. And it really just, just took a toll on me. So one day, wow. um, I went with a couple of my friends to the Universal Circus they had over there in Roy Wilkins Park in Queens. And the circus, we had a great time. I was with my, uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, and we were having basically a really good time. And, um, by the time I got out of there, I was running late for work. And I called up my job um, at Target, and I told them, hey, I might be a little bit late. They was like, okay, no problem. 
And then as I was about to get on the bus, I called him back. I said, you know what? I'm not coming back. (laughs) 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 That's what happened. And and I remember my my supervisor at the time. Well, she was more like the store manager or whatever. Her name was Nancy. And so they transferred me to Nancy. And Nancy was like, oh, my gosh, James, like, what's going on? I was like, you know what? Honestly, this is just not for me. And I I just can't do it anymore. Wow. I didn't go back. So this was in about I would say about April. How old were you when how old were you when you made the decision? Uh April I was seventeen at the time. So Wow. Yeah, I was seventeen and yeah, because this was in May. My birthday was in July. So I was seventeen and I literally just said I wasn't coming back to work. And but that was also with me knowing that every year I used to work at the YMCA, of course I'm on the YMCA. So I knew the YMCA was coming up in um June. In the June or July the kids would be out of school. So I was like, All right, I'll just take a little month or so off, um, just to like relax and chill. And I also at the time I was very, really, really, really good with money. So I really didn't spend much uh money that I didn't really need to. I used to like hoard it. So um, the YMCA came up, and literally the day I started my summer program, TSA called me. Wow. And they asked me to go to LaGuardia Airport. <clears throat> and LaGuardia Airport, I really didn't want to go to LaGuardia Airport because I applied for LaGuardia and JFK. And at the time, I already made the commitment to work for the summer program as assistant mm-hmm. camp uh unit leader or whatever and so i turned it down and i was like man i hope that was a really good decision and i told them that at this time i would really prefer jfk and hopefully um they would reconsider me for the jfk position so they told me they would put me back in the ready pool and they would give me a call when jfk became available so i worked the entire summer and sure enough, at the end of the summer, literally about the last my last week, TSA called me again and offered me a position at JFK. Wow, wow, wow! That's a great story. And then I mean, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. And um, so I started TSA. I was sworn in and everything, and I started out as an officer, uh, a part-time uh, screening. Um, well, at the time we were called screeners a part-time screener, and it was great. And I can remember literally telling my mom when I came home from work after my my second week, I said, yeah, I got this. This is going to be really easy. I said, I I swear I'm going to be a supervisor. And she was like, oh, that's good. I'm glad glad you like it. And literally, um, I think the starting pay at the time was like 14 or so dollars. And I was like, okay, well, I got this. <clears throat> but I was also going to York College at the time, and I was doing both. So as I started um, really um, doing a lot of overtime. So just to give you a little perspective, I was a part-time officer. I was working full-time hours plus overtime. And any oh, wow. time I wanted to actually take off, I only had to use part-time time to take off. So I was like, life is great. This is great. <laughs> yeah, life is great. 
And um, what else? So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is awesome. So as I started really working a ton of overtime, I just really started working a whole lot of overtime. My grades um, at school were really starting to fail. And at the time, I really had to make that decision on whether I was going to either reduce my time and start focusing really on school or actually continue to to basically do what I was doing. So I remember I spoke to this this supervisor, and he told me, he was like, "Um, are you thinking about going full-time? And I was like, why would I go full-time? He was like, (laughs) well. Um, he says, I know the overtime is good right now. He said, but this can't possibly last forever. So mm-hmm. you might want to actually consider going full-time. And I thought about it, and I molded it over, and I decided to go full-time. So this was all within, like, the, the first two years of my career. Wow. Um, so I really decided to take TSA seriously. And like I said, it was really affecting my school, so I wanted I stopped going in my um, basically my uh, junior year. I just mm-hmm. stopped. And um, like I said, I, I really calculated it to say, okay, well, hey, um, I was going to school. Like I said, I was in a four year program at York, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So basically, mm-hmm. I'm just wasting money going to class yep. to be going. And I really had no clear vision on what I really wanted to do. So I said, you know what, let me pause this before I really mess up my GPA too bad where um, it would be more difficult for me to go back into school if I decided to pursue that at a later time. So I stopped, and um, I applied for a promotion as a lead, um, and then I got that. And then I was on a special team uh, for a while, and then I provide I applied for another promotion for a supervisor. Then I got that. Wow, amazing position as a manager, and then I got that. (laughs) Basically, um, on average, I was getting promoted approximately every fourteen months. Wow, receiving the promotion. So I was actually promoted very quickly, and then at the age of 23, I became the youngest manager in the country for the agency. Yes, yes, I remember that. I remember seeing that, and I remember congratulating you on that. Um, And that was definitely, um, as someone who knows you, um, as someone who likes to celebrate us black men, black people, that's definitely one of the proudest things that I can say, you know, that I experienced in my life, even though it did happen to me, it happened to someone I know. That's 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 history. That's in the record books forever and forever and forever. No matter what happens, that's forever. So I definitely want to congratulate you thank for you, that. Thank you. Um, and real quick, I want to go back real quick because you 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 spoke about something. You spoke about making a decision, which I know for a lot of us is tough. You know, particularly around money and our future, we are indecisive. And you made a decision at seventeen to call your job back, Target. You was on your way to Target. You you, you was running late. And you called back and said, you know what, I'm not coming in. I want to talk a little bit about that decision because, again, I know that especially as teenagers, you know, our parents, society is always on us about the inability to make decisions. Or when we make decisions, you know, they say you made it without thought. You know, you made a decision, yet, you know, you're acting off impulse. What went into that decision? I know you spoke already about not wanting to be there. You spoke about, you know, you applied 
TSA. Um, but in those moments, if you can remember being that young, you know, having a job, having a, you know, the pressure of, well, not even the pressure, but the, the need and desire to want to make your own money. You don't want to make your own money and do things that you like to do, do things that you want to do. What went into that decision? Um, and did you immediately after, was there any regret? Was there any kickback from your mom and your family? Talk about that a little bit. All right. So um, prior to that, I've been working ever since I was 14 years old. So I've never not had a job. I've always decided that, hey, I want my own money. I was growing up in the projects. My mother, um, she had a job, but she had limited money to, to spend on all the things that we wanted. I mean, for the most part, she gave us everything that we needed and wanted. But, um, like, you know, you're growing up, you want your own money. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, I've been working since I was 14, never stopped. That was the longest break that I've ever had, which was approximately about two months where I was not working. Wow. And I remember um, coming home from from the event, and I went home, and my mother basically told me, she was. I told her, I said, yeah, I'm not going back there, I quit. She said, what do you mean you quit? I was like, yeah, I quit. I told him I'm not coming back. She says, oh, okay, good for you. But as long as you know, your rent is still due at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, like I said, um, at the time, I really wasn't spending money out of control. I really, I didn't have no bills. I stayed at home. I gave my mother um, some money um, for rent every single month. And it wasn't nothing crazy, but I, had, I was okay. So yeah. Me being okay allowed me to make that decision, and I know everyone can't just up and say I'm going to quit my job tomorrow mm-hmm. um, because you got bills and responsibilities to do. But when you're a 17 year old kid and you still live at home, I mean, what is my mother going to do? Really kill me if I don't give her the money? No. Mm-hmm. But me being responsible, I knew that I was still going to make sure because I never wanted to be in a situation where I owed anything. Mm-hmm. Period. I just don't. Oh. Don't like it. Powerful, I mean, powerful. Growing, growing up and where we grew up, I mean, people, I guess you really just don't think about it. Nobody ever tells us the importance of having good credit. No mm-hmm. one tells you the importance of uh, balancing a checkbook. I mean, they teach you a bunch of bull in school on on quadratic equations and A plus B equals C and all this other bullshit, but they really don't teach you how to – like the life skills. They don't teach you that, hey, it's important to have good credit. It's important to be able to balance your checkbook. It's important. Like, they don't teach you about stock. They don't teach you about anything that nope. that deals with your actual um, life. So, um, fortunately, when I was in high school, um, I went to a um, – it was like a magnet school, campus magnet. Um, and they, they kind of – they didn't really teach us too much about that. But all I knew was – my mother used to tell me it's important to have good credit. Because I watched my mother <laughs> have credit when she was younger. And I was like, man, you can't have anything without credit. You can't have a house. You can't have a car. So I realized the importance of that. And like I said, that's why I, I had a hard time um, knowing that I owed money out. So I had enough money to pay my 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 my, um, my rent and my phone bill. And um, I knew that um, my other job was coming up. So I would, even if I didn't like a job, um, that was me 
looking I had to look for something else. Like I'm not gonna mm. just quit and have no source of income. Like that's just yeah. unacceptable to me. So I kinda calculated it and said, Okay, you know what? I know the YMCA job is coming up. Summer happens, every single year it happens. I worked at the YMCA since I was fourteen years old. Actually since I was uh two thirteen years old because I used to work as a summer youth worker for um the summer programs that um, the schools and stuff used to offer. Yep. So I knew the job was coming up, so I was I was kind of confident that I wouldn't be out of work for too long. So that's how I basically made that decision. No, nice. That's powerful. And then the next decision, right? Immediately after mm-hmm. that, with 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 when the um, YMCA job came about, was getting a call saying that you were you know able to you know and approved, I guess, to work at LaGuardia, and then turning that down. What went into that? Because again, as you know, as as as, a, as an adult man, thirty four years old, I know that um, a lot of us again struggle with that that courage, that confidence, that faith to say, you know what, this is not what I want, and I'm not going to take it if it's not what I want. I'm not going to settle. What went into that decision, real quick, um, of saying, you know what, Laguardia, thank you, but I actually want to wait because I prefer, I want, I want JFK. How is that? And what was going through your mind with that? Because when did they say no? Then what? So, um, like I said, I really I really wanted to work at JFK. It was close to my house. It was easier to get to than LaGuardia. And, but it ultimately, in my opinion, ultimately came down to me making that commitment already. So I had been, at the, the time, it was almost like uh, about five years um, five years I've been working for the YMCA in different capacities. I was it was basically a promotion for me as a state um, unit leader, and I really really wanted to do it. <clears throat> I really enjoyed and loved working with the children there, so it was a love of mine to do that every single summer. I actually look forward to it. So when they called me and they were offering me something that ultimately I thought was a good opportunity. I wanted to work at the YMCA. I made that commitment already. I already went through the process. This was a promotion for me. I'm I'm basically running my own group, and I knew what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. I was hoping that – I mean, if they would have told me no, I probably would have made a different decision because, I mean, I can't work as a counselor every year of my life, yeah. and ultimately TSA was, was a better opportunity. I mean, the pay was on long, um, the lines are the same, because um, I had been in a YMCA at that time for so long that it really, um, I was really making decent money for a 17-year-old. So um, it was basically an easy decision once they told me that, hey, um, we'll put you back in the ready pool. I didn't know when they were going to call me now, so that was a little bit scary, because they could have called me in September. I mean, well, they did call me. Um, at the summer, but they could have called me October, November, December. It could have been another six months because I was already waiting almost a year yeah. for a call back. So it was a little scary, but I made a decision based on, like I said, I really loved that job. Wow. And if it was meant for me, it would have happened. Wow. Wow. You're speaking about so much, man. You're speaking about commitment and confidence. Um in preparation, right? You said that you prepared. You know, you had saved some money, so when you was ready to walk away from Target, or when you walked away from Target, you knew that for a little while you'd be able to, you know, take care of some rent, take care of your phone bill, things like that. That's powerful. Now, I want to fast forward. Now, I want to fast forward 
15 years later, right, you're in a completely different position. You're actually in a different city and state than when your career began. Um, do you have any regrets over your 15-year right, so, career, particularly early regrets of, you know, maybe your life could have went different if you stayed at Target. Maybe this would have happened. Do you do do you sit and think about that? And what are your thoughts? No, I, don't you know, think of, I don't think about Target at all. Let me, let me mm. clear that one up. Like, when I <laughs> I really hated working there. I hated <laughs> but I can let's rewind about five years. So okay, like I said, next year we'll make my fifteenth year working at TSA. Next year September. So let's rewind about five six years ago. Uh, that's when I was actually still living in New York, and the reason why I moved down to the Virginia. So yes, yes. what happened was. Um, I was responsible for, at the time, I had been promoted past manager, and I was the customer support and quality improvement manager there. And at the time, I was really thinking about, okay, what am I going to do with my career? My boss, who's a stakeholder manager, I'm like, he's not going anywhere. So upward promotion is basically not going to happen anytime soon because literally he's still there today. So I would still be in that same position. But um, at the time, I was – I can't really talk about the incident that happened because it's kind of sensitive, but I was upset with one of my bosses about a situation that occurred, and we really didn't see eye to eye on it. And it was basically a snap decision where I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm. And after we had this blow up, I went online, went to USA Jobs, and I applied for my next promotion. But it was at um, an airport in Virginia, right outside of D.C. And I literally applied for it. In about, it took me about five minutes because I already had my resume and stuff up there. <laughs> it was already on there because I, I was always looking for new opportunities. But I was so mad, I really didn't even review it. I just sent it. I calmed down later, about two days later, and I was like, okay, whatever. I had no idea that they were going to actually call me for an interview. <laughs> so I was kind of shocked behind it. So I was like, oh, man, dude, like, was it, I was just playing. Man. I wasn't serious. And so I said, you know what? Either way, um, take the interview. It's experience. You'll, you'll learn how it is applying for a job in a different place. So I took the interview. So now I had to, like, sneak around the building and find a place to actually do the interview because I was like, I don't want to be doing an interview. Um, and next thing you know, everybody knows about it. Yeah. So I did the interview. I, um, I had one of the um, – my office that I went into and closed the door and did the interview for an hour. <clears throat> and once again, I really had no idea they were going to call me back. So <laughs> my director, he comes to me. Um, the next day, he goes, so, I hear you applied for a position in, in Virginia. I'm like, how the hell do you know this? He says, well, they called me, and they, they, they wanted to know more information about you, and I told them you were a stand-up guy, a really great employee, da 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 and you would be excellent. He said, wow. well, I need to know if you are really serious about going down there, because I think they're really seriously about uh, serious about hiring you. So I'm wow. Like, oh, shoot. So now I'm like, I'm like literally like trembling. I'm like, okay, I'll get back to you. And like I said, I prayed about it. I asked my mom about it. I asked other people about it. 
and I was really like I'm like shaking. Like I I I have to move to another state. I have no family in Virginia, no friends out there. I don't know anybody. James, are you really willing to do this? So once again, um, one of the other managers, we had another dust up. I went literally. I said, okay, I'm done with this. I literally went over to my director and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. So they called me back um, and they told me, well, it's between you and two, um, you and one other person. So the director who was down here at the um, the Virginia area airport, he asked me, he said, um, I need you to come in for a second interview. And I would really like it if you could make it down here. Well, I'm like, oh, man, now i got to find a way to get to Virginia and da 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 da, da. So he was like, um, I told him I was just going to drive. He was like, listen, we're about to get a snowstorm. He said, but I don't know if you've ever been to Virginia, but it is nothing like New York when it snows. We don't have the equipment to remove snow off the streets, and I recommend you fly. <clears throat> so I was like, ah, oh, man. So now i got to fly down here. So I said, okay. I'll do it. I said, I'll kill two birds with one stone. Um, so I booked me a flight. I had some points that was on my credit card. And like I said, we'll talk about credit cards because I think they're very important if you know how to use them right. Mm-hmm. But I used points, and I booked a hotel. I mean, not a hotel. I booked a flight from um, JFK Airport to Dulles IED Airport in Virginia. So I booked that flight. Before I even booked the flight, I picked out a place where I was going to stay. I looked at the whole area and decided, okay, I'm going to stay here. I scheduled an appointment with the um, with the management office for the building I wanted to move in and everything. Wow. So I flew down and literally from the – I got off the plane, walked over to their office, sat down, had a meeting with the FSD. And what's funny was because he had um, fallen on the snow outside. So he injured his hand. So when I shook his hand, I broke his hand. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Like, I'm like, I am so not getting this job. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, had, I, had an, I had the interview. The interview went well. And my flight, I had literally about three hours total on the ground. And my interview took about an hour and a half. And... I told him, I said, hey, um, I thank them for the interview. And I told them right then and there, I said, well, um, I do have an interview also for um, an apartment, which is not too far from here. So I really need to make it over there um, just to square all this away so I don't have to make an additional trip if you guys do decide to select me. And they kind of looked at me like, oh, he just know he got this job. So I went over wow. there and um, spoke to the apartment people and got all the paperwork that I needed to get done. Um, came back to the airport, flew home. And wow. I would say about two, three weeks later, they told me I had the job. And that was it. Wow. So, wow. With that being said, um, I packed up my stuff. And once again, that's where having a little saved on the side comes in handy. I had to um, pay to move all my stuff down um, to Virginia. And I also had to break my lease on my place that I was leasing in in Queens. And um, I was able to um, get out of that without paying too much money. 
So I moved down to Virginia. Wow. Wow. And, wait, and there's more. Yeah. Wait, there's yeah, more. Please, please. <laughs> so I took the position. I, I did really well at the position. And three months to the time I was there, the agency did a uh, national realignment. And basically what a realignment is, is they basically um, say, okay, well, we need to reduce um, some of these positions and reallocate them elsewhere. Basically, my position was eliminated. Three wow. months after me moving from New York <laughs> to the position was eliminated at the airport. So my director came to me, and he told me, he said, listen, I, I hate to lose you. I, I tried everything in my power to get them to allow me to keep this position. He said, I can't. I can offer you this position, offer you this position. I said, you know what, after that, I'd rather just go back home. So um, wow. They weren't happy about it, but with the realignment, they had to pay for me to move to where I wanted to because I was being affected. Mm. And that's when I decided to take a job um, closer to home. I couldn't get back in New York, but the closest I was able to get was New Jersey, and that's when I started working there. Um, I worked there for six months, and I hated it. And you were still living in and you were still living you still living in Virginia? No, I moved back to Jersey. Oh, you also okay. So from New York, you moved to Virginia. Just a, you said three months after being there, yeah. terminate your and position, after, eliminate your position, and then you had to move to New Jersey. Yes. Wow. But they okay, keep going. Moved to New Jersey. Okay. And the impression that I made on the folks who I worked with at um, IED um, in, in Virginia, they. They thought I did such a great job. My boss, who was there, got promoted to um, uh, headquarters, and she called me up and said, I'd really like for you to come back and work for me. And I said, absolutely, wow. let's do it. <laughs> Amazing. Because <laughs> I couldn't stand New Jersey. And so so how, long, how, long, how, long, how long were you in Jersey total? Six months. I did six months in Virginia. So I went from New York, did six months in Virginia, did six months uh, in Jersey, then moved back to Virginia, and I stayed that time. Wow. Well, what a journey it's been. <laughs> four times. I moved four times in a four year. Four times. Time. Wow. Wow. At any point in that, in that in that movement, in that chaos, in that uncertainty, what was your emotions? Were you, you know, um, obviously you, you, you were still confident, but was there any doubt then that maybe this is not for you, maybe you should do something different? So um, when it was a real blow to me um, when I got down here and I was really excelling at my job, and then three months later you tell me my position is eliminated. Like, this is my first time being away from home. I had no friends, no family, which was very difficult being down here, and I kind of, like, immersed myself in work. I was just working overtime, staying in the office. I was I didn't have anything else to do. And that part of Virginia that I was in at the time, it was not – it was about – an hour away from D.C., it was everything closed at 8 o'clock. I'm used to going to the bodega at midnight or going to a party at 1 o'clock in the morning, none of that. So I really didn't have anything to do. So it was very hard, um, the transition of moving from New York, which is a city that doesn't sleep, to a city that mm -hmm. sleeps at 8 o'clock. Mm. So um, when my position was eliminated, I was like, okay, well, maybe this is my way of, Go God's way of telling me, hey, you got down here, you got the promotion, and 
that was good, but go back close to the home. And when I went back home, it wasn't home anymore because I was in New Jersey, and I realized that a lot of the people who I used to hang out with, things had changed. It's like people didn't hang out with each other no more. People didn't speak to people. It was just a whole nightmare. It was like you come home and you're expecting everything to be the same, and it wasn't the same. And I was, and that's when I really just knew that I had to go back. Wow. Wow. Um, no, that's powerful. This I mean, this whole journey, just listening, is like, I didn't know that. Um, I remember from New York to, to Virginia, I didn't know there was a point in between when you actually went to Jersey. Wow, so that's, yeah. um, and again, I can imagine that that being challenging emotionally, first time away from home, alone in the city by yourself for work, right? You sacrifice a lot, giving up friendships, giving up certain things, certain comfortabilities to go there, and then three months later, they tell you you're eliminated. But again, that speaks to your resilience, right? The type of man that you are, um, not getting too down because there are some people who that happens to and they get depressed and they go into a funk, you know, um, and life just goes downhill from there. But you, you, you handled it like a champ that you are. Um, talk a little bit well, about let the closing. Tell you one more, one more thing about that. So yeah, go ahead, please. When, when I had a decision I had to make when I actually decided to go to New Jersey. It was a decision of what I had always wanted to move to Atlanta. I said, yo, I'm going to go move to Atlanta. The property is cheap. Go get me a big old house. I was offered two positions. One was in New Jersey, and the other one was in the regional office down in Atlanta. And I chose to go to New Jersey because the whole um, elimination of my position really kind of scarred me. It was like, man, I really made this big step moving away from my family, and then this happens, I just want my safety net of being closer to home. And I'm not saying I regret that decision because ultimately it worked out for the best, mm-hmm. but I could have been in Atlanta right now. So it was like um, an opportunity that I had to really decide on whether or not to continue to move further away from home or go to the safety of being closer to home. So that time I chose the safety of being closer to family. I just need to really, like, to reset myself because, like I said, that was definitely a blow to me. Got it, got it. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about, real quick, you know, some of the pros and cons of the work that you do. You know, you particularly, what are some benefits, what are some things that you wish were a little different? So let me just give you um, a little background on what I do now. So now I'm in training. So I basically roll out, anytime TSA has new equipment, um, at an airport, um, we basically um, got to create training for the, the new equipment. So basically, um, I develop a curriculum, and I also um, deliver it to the trainers who are at the airport. So um, I love it. I definitely enjoy what I do now. Um, when I first went to headquarters, I didn't enjoy it too much, um, and that's why I switched to training. And um, the pros, I get to travel a lot. I get to see a lot of cities that I probably wouldn't have never went to had I not been in this position. Um, but traveling off with the not being home, not being able to sleep in your own bed, um, constantly being on the road, developing relationships um, can be difficult, especially if you're never home or you're not around. Um, so those are some of the pros and cons of actually being in this position, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I, I really love what I do. I see it. I see it. I, I mean, I, I hear it in your voice. 
Um, and I see it just from, you know, the social media that you are really enjoying yourself, man. And it seems like, you know, those who you are working with are enjoying you as well. I mean, you're a great personality. You're a great person. Um, so I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, talk a little bit now. Let's look into the future. Let's look five to ten years. Are you still in the same field? Are you in the same position? Or do you have something different, you know, you're looking forward to? Talk about that. What is the next five so, to ten? What does the next five to ten years look like for you? So I think it's important to always plan out at least five years ahead. And I, I saw this meme not too long ago. It says, well, if you don't know where you're going to be um, in the next five years, you're probably already there. Mm. So I think it's important that everyone try to develop at least a five-year plan on where you want to go. Because if you don't know where you're going, I mean, where you want to go, you don't know what steps you need to take to end up there. So um, next year, um, September, will mark my 15th year with the agency. So five years from now, um, I'm kind of on the fence because it's either I'm going to do my 20 years uh, with the agency or if I want to take the opportunity to move into another agency within the federal government. I haven't actually laid that out yet, but um, I want to wait to actually I make my 15th year before I make a decision mm-hmm. on whether or not to leave the agency and go to another agency or just stick it out. Um, I'm cons- right now I'm considering actually moving to um, our actual DHS headquarters and looking for wow. a job somewhere in DHS. However, um, like I said, I really enjoy what I do, so that's kind of the difficult part about it. <laughs> Um, my boss is probably leaving within the next year. So there's opportunity there for me to take his job. But ultimately, uh, I don't know if that's going to make me as happy um, as what I'm doing right now. And it really wouldn't be that much more money for me. So the decision to move into his position, if offered to me, I don't know if I would take it because it it's not – I don't think I'm going to enjoy Um, yeah, so, you know, you were talking about, um, um, what, what was the last thing you were talking about? So, the last thing I spoke about was basically a five-year plan. Five-year plan, yes. The five-year plan, the, um, um, your boss's position, you know, um, is going to be up because he's retiring in about a year. Um, and, 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 I mean, the good thing about it, you know, you have options, right? You can stay where you are. You can move up in the agency, or as you say, you, you are considering moving to another agency in the federal government. Um, I, I did want to ask you this. This is a, yeah. a question that I did have. Being a young black man in government, how does that feel? Where, um, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Around, I know that your branch of government is different, you know, than a lot of um, the branches of government that people have issues with. Um, but what is you know you know what's your thoughts around that? You're on social media, you know you see all the stuff that people say about the government. Um, you know, how do you separate personal from professional, or is there separation? Or talk a little bit about that. So um, I would say when I was at the airports, I noticed a different demographic. So a lot of the workers in the local level, entry level positions, they were all minorities. As you get closer and closer to the top, you start seeing less and less people who look like you. And like I said, I remember a time when I was one of the youngest people in the room, and now I'm not. 
So I look at the younger folks who come in, and it's kind of weird when someone comes into the agency and you like you see them in the room with you, and it's like, wow, they're younger than me. And it's like, oh, wow, congratulations. I'm glad. I'm happy to see more people because it's starting to become when I'm starting to see more people of color, more women okay. and stuff like that. Like most of my bosses are women. My, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it, it is, it's, it's crazy because you really don't I – like, I see a lot of stuff on the news and they say, okay, well, women – um, don't have a lot of these positions, higher up positions. I'm telling you right now, three of my bosses in that in that order are all women. Wow, three of them. Powerful. So it's 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 definitely a different um, dynamic. And 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 believe me, there are some black women there too. There's a, there are a lot more women, and there are a lot more minorities um, starting to come up in some of these positions. Um, right. When Obama was in office, literally, you had the homeland, the Secretary of Homeland Security. He was black. The administrator of TSA was black. The deputy administrator was, of TSA was black. And you started seeing more people who look like you actually in those positions on the wall. It, it's really a sense. It gives you a sense of pride. Like, hey, one day I can actually do that. But I'm not going to do it because I don't I have the positions. <laughs> but. Got um, it. It's definitely it's definitely changing. Like compared to when I was a manager, where there were very few of us, where now you're starting to see a lot more. Nice, nice, powerful. Um, if not for this work, what would you be doing? You know, what are some of your interests um, that you know? If this work was taken from you, or if you decide to give it up, what else would you do? So I really love cooking. So yes, you do. Possibly going to like culinary arts or chef or. And I still might do that. I mean, basically, I'm just locking in my check for when I retire. And then after that, I'm basically either going to go into doing something dealing with design or, or cooking. Because that's ultimately what I would love to do for the rest of my life. It's cool. So locking this, this money right now. And then after that, I'll go cook or design stuff. I don't know. Well, design stuff like what? So I like interior decorating and stuff like yes, that. Yes, you do. Yeah, so um, it would either be something like that, maybe staging homes or something on the lines of that. Something like, like I said, ultimately, like I said, I like what I do, but it's not my passion. It's not my love. And there are a few people who are actually um, blessed to have both, that you're actually working to your passion, something that you really enjoy doing every day. So, like I said, I enjoy this, but it's not my passion. I do it well wow. because I have the experience, and I've been here for almost 15 years. But ultimately, like I said, I really enjoy cooking, and I really enjoy, like, that design aspect. Nice. And it's powerful that you said, you know, um, very few people are fortunate enough or blessed enough to be able to marry the two, doing what they love and what they're passionate about while still generating money. And the more I learn, the more I grow, you know, I realize that, um, you know, a lot of us, you know, is a whole saying out there, follow your passion, follow your passion. And yeah, that's great. You should follow your passion. But the reality is that you have to make money. So sometimes, sometimes you do have to, um, your passion has to be your side hustle. Your passion has to be your after hour job. Your passion has to be something you do at one, two, three in the morning because you still have to generate money to provide for yourself, to provide for your family, to pay these bills, to afford you to actually live so that you can support your passion. But it is a blessing, and I think it's um, an obligation to all of us to strive and to at least seek to 
figure out how to marry that which we love, that which we're passionate about, that which wakes us up in the middle of the night with generating income. You know, um, and I think that's I think that's the ultimate for everyone. You know, is to do what you love and make money from it. Um, but as you said, not a lot of people have that opportunity or um, are not afforded that luxury. Um, I mean, this, this has been a great interview, man. You shared some key insight um, just into your life, into your work, why you do what you work, how you was able to move up. You gave a lot, you know, a little bit of um, reassurance as far as confidence and self-esteem um, and, you know, preparing. Again, a lot of us, when we work a job that we don't like, so many people just leave. They quit. They have an issue with their boss or they just don't like it for whatever reason. And they quit without having anything set up. So then they quit, and then they try to find something else, and then they're miserable because they can't, right? And they're having a tough time. And so it's just it's a tough cycle. Um, so I wanted to ask, do you have any inspiration for any other black men um, who are in your field, who want to move up, or who want to get into the federal government, man, any words of encouragement, any advice, any tips for the fellow black men working and looking to get into work? Um, please share those. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll say this. And... I don't know. I, I think it's it's we encourage people. Hey, go out there. You go to college. You're going to get a great job. Da, da, da. I tried the school approach. School wasn't necessarily my path. I'm not saying it's not going to be the path for you, but what I'm saying is, if you're going to go to school, make sure it's something that you can actually graduate and actually find a job. Like I I didn't I didn't finish my degree. Is that to say I won't go back and actually go and do it? I don't know. But I chose a different path. And like I said, I saw a future for me in my agency, and I saw where I can go with the knowledge that I was able to possess. Because ultimately, in my opinion, experience beats a piece of paper any day. Experience, your drive, your will to do something. So don't say just because you didn't go to college you can't make it or you can't do whatever. Because, like I said, that's not my story. I make I, I make a really good salary. I make over a hundred thousand dollars a year doing what I do, and it's something that I love. And like, there was a time when, well, there's still time where people who have master's degrees worked for me. So mm. it's it's I'm not saying that school is not the way because, but we we're forcing people to go, or we're encouraging people, young people, to go go to college and. and and da, da 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 and then you come out and there's no jobs. There's no positions in that field, or you're really not happy doing what you're doing. You know how many people I know who got degrees and are not working in the field that they have a degree in? I'm it's sure like you, many. You come out of, you're coming out of college with with thousands and thousands of dollars in debt, and you're now paying off that debt, and you're not even working in the field that you went to school for. It seems like such a waste of time, energy, money, and effort that now you don't went to school, you don't took yourself out of the job market for four, five, six years, and now you have a late start in life because you were told that, hey, you have to go to college in order to be successful. That is not the case. I just want everyone to know that is not the case. You can make the best of any any situation you're in as long as you're willing to work hard and you're willing to to do the work that it takes to get where you want to go. So I think that's very important um, for everyone to realize. Don't just say, I'm going to go to school just for the sake of going to school to get a piece of paper. And save. Save, save, save. 
a lot of people I know who come into my agency, they don't take advantage of the benefits of working for the federal government, like the 401k and stuff like that. Put as much money as you can, as you can afford to put away into your savings, because you don't want to work until you're you're too old to enjoy what you've earned. So Mm -hmm. if you can afford to save, save. Every time I get a raise, I've learned that right now I can live off the money that I make. So every time I get a raise, guess who else gets a raise? My 401k. I try to max out every dollar I can possibly give away without giving it to the government. So save as much as you can save. Um, put money in, invest your money because you don't want to work forever. I see a lot of people working until like 70s and stuff like that. That's the time you should be enjoying your life. So do it now while you're young, while you can, and it's never too late. You can start at 30, do a, 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 find you a government agency to work in, be retired by the time you're 50. 20 oh, really? years, I, I, I mean, if you look at 20 years, I will be in my 30s when I can technically leave my agency and, and make sure that I have enough money to survive on. That's amazing. Yeah, so so – Look at those. If you don't know what you want to do, find you a city job, find you a government job, something stable that you can work in, build, grow in. And if that's not your passion and you still want to go pursue that, go ahead and do it. Like even with my agency now, they have a lot of programs where you can get your associate's or your bachelor's degree and have it paid for. Don't waste the opportunities or don't run yourself up into a amounts of debt and you don't even know what you did it for wow uh, no, that's that's so powerful um something that i've learned and I'm, and I'm watching even now the whole idea the whole ideology that you have to go to school to find a good job and to make good money as you as you mentioned is a falsehood now maybe it was true 30 40 50 years ago but now you are a prime example you say you stopped going to school you actually stopped going to school to focus on work and you're making a good salary, you're taking care of yourself, um, and you have people with degrees who are under you. I think that speaks to, especially now with, um, you know, Generation Z, right? Um, They are rejecting college. But if you look now, a lot of the people who are leading the world economically, they are young and they don't have the degrees because they realize that knowledge is key and education is super important, but education does not mean going to school with a degree. It just means knowing what you know, knowing what you need to know in the area or the field that you are in, the industry that you are in, knowing that industry, being educated on how that industry works, and then going full in, learning it, studying it, and mastering it. Um, and so, again, thank you for that. Um, and real quick, I want to talk about that. I think it's a misconception that it's not about who you know. It is about how you know sometimes. And you Definitely. have to develop and culture those relationships, relationships. and put yourself in positions where you can interact with people who can possibly help you out in the future. It's, it's very important. Yes, sir. No, I, I think a lot of a lot of success is built on relationships. Who do you know? Um, but real quick, I want to talk about, you got to speak about, brother, the fun that you have in, 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 in mixing business, well, not mixing, but working really hard, right, while still being able to have fun and fully enjoy life. Just looking at your social media, um, you know, I know during holidays, you know, you have the feast at your home and, and you know, you have your friends and family over. Um, I know, you know, you, you like to party and have fun. So talk about that as a businessman, as someone who is in a pretty good position. How important is it to have fun and to do what you love still? 
So I always, my philosophy is, if it's no sense of wanting to make money if you ain't going to have to enjoy it. Like, you should have money to enjoy, but what I always make sure I do is I make sure all my bills are taken care of first. I make sure I pay myself first, meaning pay myself in savings. And then whatever money I have left over, that's the money that I use to spend. And I talked about um, credit um, a little bit yeah. earlier um, in the conversation. I said I wanted to come back to that. And the reason being is a lot of people have a fear of credit cards, and they should be fearful of credit cards because ultimately you can get yourself jammed up but you have to have responsibility for it. So um, I use my credit card to pay for every single thing that I do, whether it's paying for my insurance or paying for gas or paying for food, paying for my bills. I put everything on my credit card, and then I pay my credit card off. You know why? Because my credit card is going to pay me for it. It's called points. And what I do is I use those points and I travel places. Like last year, I went to New Orleans for um, Essence Festival. I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and I didn't pay a dime. That hotel wow. was five hundred and something dollars a night, and I stayed there for free for five days. Didn't pay wow. all from using money that I was going to spend anyway on bills and using it to my advantage. And Amazing. that stuff like that affords me opportunities to travel. Um, and save money. So, also working for the federal government, you get um, you get um, they start off with four hours. I think after your third year, you get six hours, and then after your fifteenth year, you get eight hours of PTO per uh, paycheck. So, I have to leave. Also, with me constantly traveling, I accrue comp time. So, I use that time, and I take off work, and I go places and I really enjoy the time. But also, I take advantage of the trips that the government is actually paying for. So when I'm traveling on business, you're going to send me to, um, say, for instance, I just came back from San Francisco. Um, I worked, did my my time that I had to work, and then after work, I got to enjoy San Francisco. And mm-hmm. I didn't pay anything to get there. I'm not paying anywhere to stay because I'm still there on work. But I'm using my free time while I'm there to actually see the sites, enjoy the cities, and stuff like that. So that's what allows me to really, um, well, one, travel places and actually get to enjoy them. And two, like I said, if you're not enjoying the the money that you're actually making, then what are you working for? That's the whole purpose of working is so you can actually live, so you can live, not just exist. You need to live, enjoy your life. Yes, sir. You just wrapped it up perfectly. Let's all do more to live. Brother James, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your wisdom. I hope someone listening gets inspired. Someone listening, you know, gets encouraged um, to pursue their dreams, but also to be willing to work hard, knowing that anyone can do it, willing to put the work in, willing to make it happen. Again, thank you for this time. It was great. Um, I look forward to speaking to you soon, brother. Peace. Anytime, man. Thank you.